This week on Rotten or Righteous, we asked the question, Do you think I can really become a Christian? And Paul goes, Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. Welcome to Rotten or Righteous, the podcast that is a little sore because we just got stabbed in the side because our lungs are filling up with blood. With me today, his greatness, Emperor Nero, has hereby proclaimed him a corrupter and deceiver, and a capital charge has been brought upon him for treason. His name is Luke Taylor. Hear, hear! Along with Luke, men do not die for doubts, but he would kill for a Klondike bar. Scott Judge. What would you do for a Klondike bar? Kill a man! I believe it. And me, well, my glum moods threatens to make this lovely last more expensive than she needs to be. I'm Zach Geiler. Uh, before we get into our summary today, because, well, dear listeners, um, there's a reason why I, I don't let these two yahoos pick the movies. Uh, and that is, in order for our format to work, the movie we watch needs to be terrible. Uh, it needs to be bad. That's how we make jokes about it. When you have a very serious movie that gets a lot of things right and stars, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul and Christians being thrown to lions and burned alive, it's real hard to find the humor in that. It's real hard. What does it say about us that we need garbage content to be put out into the world to be relevant in the world? It's not about being relevant. It's about being funny, entertaining to not only perform, but to also put out into the oh, world. I see. Us sitting around together and gabbing for three hours about a very somber movie is not my idea of a good time. <laughs> I record this podcast and get it ready on my day off. It's something I enjoy doing. This, however, was uh, oh my goodness! It was like it was like trying to dig a splinter out of the bottom of my foot <laughs> a big splinter that couldn't be reached but anyways uh my problem is this my son has started to call me papa what? and i don't That's know why weird. actually i do know why but i do not like it why why is he calling you papa look there's this abomination of desolation out on the internet and uh on the on the netflix called little baby bum and uh, Little Baby Bum is a bunch of nursery songs sung by a demonic choir of CGI terribleness. <laughs> Why is he watching this in the first place? <laughs> His My sister-in-law, who watches him, who is very helpful, has turned him on to it. And anyways, his favorite song has uh, the baby, the titular baby of Little Baby Bum, uh, calling his father Papa. And the song goes something like this. Um, imagine you see a, a small child eating eating a cookie. Or, or, yeah, let's go with a cookie. And his daddy comes in and goes, Johnny, Johnny. Baby responds, yes, Papa. Eating cookies? No, Papa. Telling lies? No, Papa. Open your mouth. Ha, ha, ha. And my son sings this song. 
incessantly. You know, I just looked this up. And I wouldn't exactly say that they specialize in CGI. This kind of looks like one of those, uh, it kind of looks like a horror film for children. It does. It looks like Five Nights at Freddy Kids Edition. Um, but I have a problem with this for two reasons. One, it makes lying fun. <laughs> now, I'm one of those new age parents that don't believe in, you know, abusing a three-year-old. But uh, uh, at the same time, like, it, it's it's a daily thing and he won't stop. I can't. I can't control him, Scott. He'll have like a tinker toy in his hand or a Lincoln log in his behind his back, and then he'll just be like, "Yes, Papa." I'm not singing that song, Joseph. Yes, Papa. Joseph, go away. Yes, Papa. Oh, Joseph, Joseph. Yes, Papa. Playing with Lincoln logs? No, Papa. No, you're lying. I see the Lincoln log in your hand. Soon, soon you'll believe in abuse. <laughs> I'm getting there. I, I want to find out whoever wrote and, and produced Little Baby Bum and use them to light my streets on the way home. Who but calls their show Little Baby Bum? I'll name this television show after a baby's butt. Hey, I found, look at that, Scott. I found the humor. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it reminds me of a Garth Brooks song, Papa Loves Mama. What? <laughs> How does that remind you of Papa Loved Mama? I don't know. You said Papa. He said Papa. Papa took his rig and drove it through a hotel. Papa Loved Mama nearly no, all his life. He drove it through the local motel. The local the desk motel. Clerk said she saw it all real clear. He never tapped the brakes and he was changing gears. <laughs> yep. Uh, you want to know why that happened? It happened because Mama was a looker. Lord, how she shined. <laughs> while Papa was a little of the jealous kind. And Papa loved Mama, and Mama loved men. Well, Mama's, Mama's in, in the graveyard, graveyard and Papa's, Papa's in, in the, the pen. pen. The fact that you just <laughs> ran that off. <laughs> if you didn't already know, Zach's from Kentucky. Hey, you know what? I, I've got the lyrics in front of me. You may, at this point in time, be more redneck hillbilly than I am. That is hard to believe, but you have quoted that song nearly verbatim. <laughs> our Belgium fan, our Poor Belgium fan has no idea what's going on right now. He's like oh. Guten Tag. I don't know. <laughs> Garth, Guten Guten Tag. Guten Tag. Guten Tag. Which, by the way, our, our, our German, our Belgian fan, uh, you need to get yourself some Garth Brooks and get to know him. Truly. It's good stuff. Truly. I mean, before long, you will be talking to long neck bottles, telling them to let go of your hand, and shouting at guitars that they don't start playing that song again, because there's a woman at home who loves you, Belgian, and she won't understand. Long neck bottle, let go of my hand. I went. Have you seen Garth Brooks in concert? No, I need. Ellie to. and I, Ellie and I went down to Charleston several years ago, and he plays uh, what's the song? The Red Stroke. He where he's in the white tux at the piano. So the show starts, and there's a piano that comes up out of the floor. This place goes nuts because there's Garth Brooks at the piano playing the Red Stroke. So he comes up, place goes nuts. All of a sudden, I'm way up high because my seats are horrible. This hole in the this hole in the piano opens up. It was Garth Brooks. 
And I'm here to tell you, 20,000 people in the Charleston Civic Center went nuts. I'm so confused. I thought Garth Brooks was playing the piano. Is I know. Also, is, he also a ma- is he also a magician? No. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that song's called The Red Strokes. You need to listen to it. I don't need to. Oh, uh, so anyways, anyway. back, back to the song that is advocating uh, uh, our children to lie to us. In a fun, give-and-take, sing-songy way. And I don't know what to do. What do I do, Scott? Dude. So what does, he use, what does he usually call you? Dada? Daddy. Daddy. Now he's calling you Papa. I mean, if you like <sighs> Garth Brooks so much and you're that into country music, there should be nothing wrong with him calling you Papa. I mean, that's, that's a pretty country thing. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you yeah. just can blame it all on my roots. Because I showed up in boots and ruined your black tie affair. Because I was the last one to know and the last one to show. And I was the last one you thought who'd be there. And I saw the surprise and the fear in his eyes when I took your glass of champagne. Hey, I toast to you. Say, honey, we may be through, but you'll never hear me complain. Because I've got friends friends in in low places. Places where the whiskey drowns and the beer. But seriously, real quick, I got one more story before we get into this movie. Uh, uh, All the neighbors' lights came on last night, uh, just like they do every time we have a little fight. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. The reason That's why funny. we fight so much is because me and Kelsey bury the hatchet, but we leave the handle sticking out. Yep, yep. We're all always digging up things <laughs> we should forget about. Because <laughs> when it comes to complaining, baby, there ain't no doubt. You know, and if you think about it really, Zach, you, you could have you missed all this pain, but you'd have had to have missed the dance. This is, this is your two segments. <laughs> I mean... Luke, uh, when is she more than a memory? all right uh we've stalled long enough let's get into the movie the movie begins like a good old spy flick where our protagonist the physician luke is sneaking around and you can tell he's sneaking around because he has his hood up as a general rule in this movie if you see a hood then it's a christian being sneaky But unlike good old-fashioned spy movies, Luke is not trying to sneak out of a place, but instead he's trying to sneak in. And that place he's trying to sneak in is Rome, which is being ruled by the tyrannical and sadistic Emperor Nero. Luke traverses the late-night streets of Rome and witnesses the horror that is befalling the Christians there. The streets are lined with the barbecued corpses of believers who were lit aflame to light the city's roads. With the help of a twitchy, hooded Christian ally, Luke makes his way to a small, walled community ran by the faithful couple Priscilla and Aquila who are leading a group of hidden Christians trying to avoid Nero's wrath. When the gospel writer arrives at the community, he is told about a difficult choice Aquila and Priscilla are facing. Do they stay in Rome and risk the lives of the Christians they are hiding, or do they move the Roman Christian community to a location more accepting of their faith? 
Luke, who brought monetary aid to the Roman Christians collected from churches around the Mediterranean, is asked to speak to Paul for his advice on what the Roman Christians uh, should do. One thing that is brought up as they are discussing this is the fact that Rome has gotten worse since his previous visit to the city when he was with Paul. This might be a reference to their arrival in Acts 28, verses 11 through 16, when Paul appealed to Nero so that he wouldn't have to face the Jewish opponents that were trying to persecute him back in Judea. My main problem I have with this movie right off the gate is that it's setting up the fact that Luke is going to go and talk to Paul and write down Paul's biography as a way to encourage the Christians that are facing persecution. Most biblical scholars, myself included, agree that both Luke and Acts were originally one book, and they were written several years after Paul died. So right away, the premise of this movie is flawed for me. I don't, not to say that I don't enjoy it, or I don't see, or I don't, I don't enjoy it. It's not like I'm watching this popcorn going, yeah, let's burn another Christian. But at the same time, it's not to say I, I don't appreciate what they're showing, but it just starts with a flawed premise right off the bat. Yeah, doesn't doesn't seem accurate to. Um, it just it's not accurate the very beginning. Is there hard evidence that would rule out them being written during Paul's life? Because they technic, you know, they end with Paul's first imprisonment, and they make reference to that in the movie. <clears throat> That's where Acts concludes, and then. Um, so, I mean, potentially they could have been written when Paul was alive, I believe. True, but I think the fact that Acts ends with Paul's first imprisonment is really an argument for the fact that uh, Luke wasn't there between the first imprisonment and the second imprisonment because Luke was writing a first... Luke appeared to be writing a, a first-hand account for a lot of these later details, and... He wasn't there for the second imprisonment, so that's where the book ends. It ends with the ending of Luke's relationship with Paul. I've heard that uh, it concludes there because it was written as a, uh, potentially as a defense for uh, Paul on his first trial. And that, that, that the book was in part used for that. So he wrote it, he gives it to Theophilus, I... and then... Um, I mean that's all just speculation, but I'm just I'm just wondering if it's well, possible heard that, that this this narrative could be at least potentially right possible. It 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 could, but but I always heard that Acts was actually ended where it was because it was going to be a setup for Acts two, the reaxoning, but it didn't perform well in box office or box offices, <laughs> so it was never made. The reaxoning. It was called Acts 2, Let Me Ax You a Question. <laughs> it's difficult. It's difficult to know. And and um, uh, it's just difficult to know. How's that for podcast excellence? <laughs> <laughs> there we have it, folks. Scott's first comment of the podcast. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, so Paul, meanwhile, is imprisoned in Marbertine Prison. Is that how you pronounce that? Mamertine? Mamertine. Mamertine. 
Marmalade. The big old Mamertine. Marmalade, marmalade prison with uh, Emperor Gumball and... Um, <laughs> listen, this is a serious podcast. I will not tolerate laughing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do this. This is such a bad movie for this podcast. I know. It's way Let's too serious. Let's just talk serious. about something else. What else you got to talk about? Just tell da- bad jokes. I don't know. For the next hour. <laughs> we can watch... <laughs> We can watch a VeggieTales movie together real quick and then talk about that. <laughs> now, let's do this. We can do it. Paul's has been in prison inside Mamertine Prison uh, for a, a long time. And the reason why he is imprisoned is because Rome sees him as a threat. He's a strong Christian leader, and that uh, makes Nero paranoid for his power. Then uh, we were introduced to the prefect or the manager of this prison, a, a Roman higher up named uh, Mauritius Gallus, whose name is a nightmare for me to pronounce. So I'm just going to call him Marty for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> Marty. Yeah, so, so Marty brings Paul forward, and Paul is just haggard at this point. He's all stooped over. His back is lined with scars of multiple beatings that he had uh, endured in his life. And... Well, Marty gives the official decree from Nero that he is uh, uh, charged with basically uh, threatening the emperor and the empire, trying to raise an insurrection and, and treason. And for this, Paul is going to be beheaded. Now, it is kind of interesting to note that um, you would think treason is a big deal in the Roman Empire. And if Paul was anything other than a Roman citizen... He wouldn't get off as easy as being beheaded. Uh, you look at some of the the execution performed by Jewish insurrectionists throughout history, and crucifixion was their main go-to. That was the worst punishment that they could deliver. But it is kind of interesting that Paul is being beheaded. At least they're sticking to the history here. And plus, tradition does say that Paul's head was uh, uh, cut off. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most fun podcast ever. Okay. Um, <laughs> Thanks for those historical details. Oh, that's all I have. Sounds like my podcast. I don't come on here to have fun. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. All right. So here, here, let's insert a question here. Would you rather be persecuted or burned at the stake? No, we can't ask I that mean, question. I cru- mean, crucified or burned at the stake. I think burned at the stake. You can't, you can't ask that question. <laughs> well, we could, you know what? We could ask. Okay, so let's not ask that question as to our preference, but let's ask what our preference would be for each other. <laughs> would we rather you be burned at the stake or crucified? Rather, no, I mean, I think that, I, I, I think the answer to that question is easy. I'd rather be burned at the stake. Crucifixion lasted days. Yeah. The reason why Christ died so quickly is because he was already in severe trauma by the time he even reached the cross from his his flogging and if they didn't break the legs of the two thieves they would have been hanging up there for days crows would start pecking at your eyeballs and it's just a horrible terrible slow awful way to die that's why luke and i would crucify you (laughs) i would i would have zach drawn and quartered actually I heard most people that got burned at the stake actually suffocated from the smoke inhalation before, like, they actually got burned up. So that was that's what I'd be banging on. 
So, this story takes place following the burning of Rome that was instigated by Nero, and Mm -hmm. uh, the emperor is planning on pinning the burning of Rome onto Paul. He's making Paul the scapegoat of, of this fire. Now, the prefect in charge of the prison is confusing because he's a Frenchman with salt and pepper uh, hair that's cut into a bowl cut. That's who Marty is. He is. He he is very French. We oui, oui. Like, do you know how, how weird it is to be watching a movie and then you see a Roman centurion-looking guy come up and he's like, Hello, welcome to my prison, Mama Time. <laughs> He went a little Arnold there at the end. <laughs> but, <laughs> Hello! <laughs> you are traitor to Rome! So, we will execute you! Chop your head off! Oh, wee wee! It's weird. <laughs> but that's that's how he talks. <laughs> Paul, I do not understand how you can believe in God. Because I'm Roman! Wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> Do you know what happens when you cross a Roman with a Frenchman? No. Don't think on it too hard. You get Marty. <laughs> this is going to be a stellar <laughs> episode right here. <sighs> we, we've got we've to find a way to salvage this episode. We really do. <laughs> it's so good. I don't know that we can't. <laughs> Would it be wrong for a Christian podcast to have reviewed a legitimate Christian movie and say, go watch this? <laughs> but that's not the precedent that we have set up. That's not the uh, point of this podcast, is to watch good movies. Oh. If it was, it'd be called the... Yes, we can watch good Christian movies as long as they're not historically based good Christian movies. I can still make fun of the the masked saint all all I want because none of those people were around and writing the Bible. <laughs> you really shouldn't make fun of the masked saint because it was a great movie. It was terrible. You know, if the masked saint would have went into the arena, Zach. Okay, some, so some uh, lions Luke- coming out with their tail between their legs. <laughs> Uh, Luke uses forged papers to sneak into the prison, along with bribery. He bribes the this main guard guy, who's just absolutely has the worst teeth I've ever seen on a television show or movie. It it looks real bad, his teeth, what he's got going on there. I get it, it's ancient times, they didn't have crest, but I bet his breath stank. That's, I mean, I, 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 I think I, I set a precedent for that back when we were watching The Chosen about how stinky the ancient world would truly be. And that dude's mouth looks nope. like it would smell like the streets of Jerusalem after a horse race. <laughs> uh, where's your Colgate? Where's your aim? Where's your freshen up? Where's your old spice? Why in the world did you name Colgate and then two brands that no one has seen since the 1930s, Scott? Because <sighs> I'm What old. in the world are you talking about? Do they anyway, still make AIM? I don't <laughs> yes, know. Yes, they do. I've seen it here. <laughs> I, think the people that, I think the people that buy AIM are the same people that just buy a box of bacon soda and pour it in their mouth every morning <laughs> and give them a little scrub-a-dub. <laughs> 
So Luke makes it into the, the prison, and he's able to see Paul. Paul, meanwhile, is beaten and broken and, and just real sore over what had happened to him that day because not only was he sentenced to death, uh, uh, Marty, as he left, was also like, Okay, grab your flagellum and show them what Romans do to traitors. And so he was whipped real bad. <laughs> I can make fun of Marty all I want. Marty's not in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and so, you know, they Paul's real excited to see Luke, and they come to terms with the fact that Paul is, is going to die soon, that this is the end of his life. And so Luke convinces Paul to help him write an account of how Paul, formerly known as Saul of Tarsus, came to be one of Christianity's greatest leaders. The next day... Marty does discover that Luke manages to sneak into the prison with the help of some high-ranking Romans, a little bit of money, and some fake papers. But he allows... This is a stupid fact I'm going to cut out. He allows Luke to visit Paul uh, basically unbothered because it turns out that these are, are friends of Marty that let Luke into the prison. No need to cut that out. That's accurate. Yeah, whatever. Do they never describe like who these friends and, are? Because I didn't make that connection. I don't know. Perhaps they're more French Romans. Are they? Uh, is it situational <laughs> ethics? Can you bribe and forge documents if it's for a yeah, Christian purpose? I thought about that too, but I was gonna let it pass because I didn't want Scott to be like, "Oh, you're always trying to find something wrong with these movies." <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot oh we're so harsh on these christian movies i know you didn't like my mass saint and next next week we watch nascar angel i'm sure you'll find something wrong with that too so another thing i don't like about this movie is when luke brings up the fact that uh he wants paul to write or to help write the book of acts paul is is like oh i i don't know how can i be an encouragement to people and i'm like paul did you not write your other letters yeah like 90 percent of the pauline epistles are encouragement to other people well i, I don't what like... he said in look at what he said first corinthians 11 1 2 be you followers of me even as i also am of christ and i don't know if we're allowed to quote scripture on this show <laughs> or not but <laughs> Only if it's from the cotton patch. <laughs> yeah, it sounds about right. Uh, but you think about, well, how can I be an encouragement? He's declared himself to be an encourager throughout the Gospels. Or not I mean, the Gospels, but the, the epistles, the Pauline epistles. I, I just don't buy Paul at the end of his life all of a sudden. Like, that is when he's going to start losing hope. Well, I, was, I, was, I mean, he made it through the entire, entire t his entire life. But, but at this moment, the moment for his death, that's when he's going to start losing hope. That doesn't that doesn't jive with the Paul that is written throughout the Bible. I was thinking about this, and you know, he does express that that sentiment, like, "Oh, how can I be an encouragement?" And I, I was just thinking, like, everyone that might not have been his overall mentality. You know, obviously he's confident in his faith, but like everybody has days where he just got beat the day before, right? And so everybody's got days, even the people with the strongest faith, that they're just like. Like maybe they're 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 just like down, you know what I mean? <laughs> and 
so it's, I, I was saying, you know, I, I think we have a tendency. I, I know I kind of do to like almost make Paul like superhuman in his faith. Like he never had a down day, you know, like he was always like, yeah, you know, let's, let's, we're, uh, we're, that's exactly how he converted all those people. We just walked up to him and went, yeah, we're, we're I'm like, this guy's you know? amazing. We're going to heaven. Clearly. Like, I think probably eight, you know, 90, 95% of his days were like that. But it's like anyone who got, anyone who got beaten, thrown into prison, <laughs> Would have had a few bad days. What are you laughing at? Imagine Barnabas. I'm just imagining in my head Barnabas and, and Paul walking into the city that was worshiping. That was worshiping Zeus. And then Barnabas sitting back there all stoic like Barnabas. And Paul just walks up. He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, this guy's clearly a god. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> Whoa, don't <laughs> suffocate yourself. Holy cow. I've never hey. done that before in my life. I don't know what that was. That was scary. <laughs> we, we we need your address in case we need to send 911 to you. Uh, the, the police already know where you yeah. are. Uh, the you know what? like, hey, are you guys still down there? Paul's like, yeah. 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 <laughs> Kind of like Randy Macho Man Savage. Oh, I'm going to die. My gut's going to rupture. My gut's going to rupture. Okay. Hey, hey, Luke, I I think... (laughs) I think what you said is a legitimate point because we do look at the Apostle Paul like that. I've often thought I want to be like the Apostle Paul, and I'm the farthest thing in the world from the Apostle Paul who relates more to the Apostle Peter who stuck his foot in his mouth all the time and struggled in his faith and had to just grow all the time that I think we do forget that the Apostle Paul would have had those same kind of struggles as well, um, but we don't read about them as we do others in the Bible. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but yeah, you're right. You don't. You don't expect to hear that. Yeah, and I was kind of shocked the first time I heard it, and then I thought about it, and I was like, well, you know, sometimes I make statements. Like, sometimes I'll come home frustrated or something, and I'll make a statement that isn't necessarily in line with, like, my character, just because I'm like, it's been a bad day, right? And so Megan asked me something, and I'll I'll make... Hey, I do have a a question for you, though, Luke. Where do you come home from? My room, where I lock myself. You don't have a job, so why do you come home? (laughs) You can't come home if you don't go anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Sack your mess Holy cow (laughs) I'm just still thinking about Paul and Barnabas That that image must have been way better in your mind Than it was in mine Paul Mars Hill Listen listen to how elegant he is Yeah (laughs) King Agrippa's like Would you want to persuade me in such a short time To become a Christian Yeah I think he's been drinking, Luke. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, this tipped him over the edge. <laughs> so the next night, <laughs> with all that behind us, so. <laughs> <laughs> Next night, Luke returns with some paper and, and, and some pencils. And he begins 
writing down Paul's origin story as Paul's narrating it, that he was once a uh, known as Saul of Tarsus, a Jewish boy who was influenced by the zealotry of the Jewish leaders and witnessed the martyrdom of Stephen at their hands for professing his faith in Jesus Christ. And it was this event that made Saul vow to destroy all Christians throughout the world. Meanwhile, Marty is at the, the bar with his friend, and he's feeling real bad for himself that he was put in charge of the prison, despite all the stuff that he did for Rome. And he also is real sad that his daughter is dying from some terrible illness that makes her look like uh, uh, like Linda Blair from The Exorcist. <laughs> she, that little girl does look a little exorcisty. <laughs> exorcisty. Even uh, yeah, so his daughter's dying, even though he keeps doing all these sacrifices to the Roman gods. And his friend's like, dude, calm down. Just keep giving to the Romans' gods. And meanwhile, you got that old crotchety Paul down there in your dungeon. Get some evidence that he actually burnt down Rome. Get some evidence for Nero. And then you're going to become the hero. You'll go from zero to hero with Nero. And Marty responds with a quote from Paul that he heard earlier that day. He said, you know what? Yeah! You know, Marty's friend, he's such a bro. I love him. He's like, hey, bro, I got this nice prostitute for you. <laughs> and Marty's like, nah, man. Thanks, though. Appreciate it, dog. I So now Marty is going to keep offering sacrifices to his gods. He's going to try to find a little evidence to give to Nero to make him go from zero to hero. And Luke's going to keep writing uh, this book. But as they're working on the book of Acts, the Christian community keeps suffering with losses. You see, there's this little Roman boy named Tarquin. You know, he, he's just running around. And they need a, a little Roman boy to go and visit uh, another part of the city for some reason that I'm not quite sure of. And uh, Tarquin's like, I'll do it. They'll just think I'm just some little orphan boy. Well, here's the thing, guys. In ancient Rome, if you're a little orphan boy and you gotta go around some, some bored soldiers, they're gonna beat the snot out of you. And that's what they did. They backhanded Tarquin to death. Is that what they did back then? They were just like, hey, here's an orphan kid. Let's beat him up. I mean, if you're, you really think Nero's going to stop his, his raping and, and burning and murdering for a second to be like, hey, guys, hey, you treat that orphan boy with a little respect. Truly, it hasn't been that long ago in which the common phrase was, hey, here's a little orphan boy. Let's beat him up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at Albert from Little House on the Prairie. Boom. Albert, Little House of the Prairie, can't argue. Okay, we're an hour into this and we haven't done anything. Oh, gee. So Tarquin, so Tarquin is sent on this errand by Priscilla and Aquila, and he comes back dead. Um, <clears throat> how, do you do, how do you do that? Somebody carried him, I guess. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> and that makes Tarquin's cousin, Cassius, real mad. And he decides that uh, this is going to be the perfect time for everyone to join in the Lord's army and pick up some swords and uh, uh, seek revenge against Rome for all their persecutions, all their burnings. But uh, Aquila stands up and says, nah, nah, man, that's not cool. I mean, think about it. Paul never sought revenge for all the bad stuff that happened to him. So we need to treat people with love. Love is the only way. You can't seek revenge. Uh, but Luke, at this time, is also having kind of a crisis of faith because he just saw 
uh, a Christian being lit up and burned alive uh, on the streets the night before. Then then poor little Tarquin comes in all dead-like. And so he's trying to figure out what in the world's going on. Why is God letting this happen? And he goes and, and he visits Saul, and, and Paul really is what we should call him. Uh, he goes and visits Paul, and he's like, I don't know how to deal with all this barbarism, with all this cruelty. And he's like, I'm starting to feel a little bit like I'm on Cassius' side, that we need to get a little revenge against these Romans, man. But Paul basically gives him a verbal beatdown and says, what's wrong with you? Who are we? Who are we to give up on this world and fight against it when Jesus didn't give up? And he tells them that it's only with love that they're going to be able to counter evil. And he goes through this list of love that's found in 1 Corinthians. And then once he's done, he turns to Luke and says, write this down, which makes no sense. <laughs> because it's already been written. Because that's not an axe. <laughs> hey, you know, not only, not only right there, he quotes a lot of scripture from, I mean, there's stuff to Timothy that, that he quotes in there. Obviously, the stuff there from 1 Corinthians. So, yeah, talk to me there, Your Excellency. <laughs> I mean, I just think that they... No, I, I meant... No, oh, I got nothing on this. So, you know, like at the end, he's like, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he's like, he's like, oh, you should write that one down. It's like you already... Like that was yeah. in Philippians. Maybe you forgot. You get a little old. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, I was trying to like figure out how that uh, could be uh, like explained and uh, couldn't really come up with anything. See, I just don't like the fact that Paul is being blamed for the Roman fire, because Paul didn't start yeah. the fire. It has always been burning since the world started turning. Paul didn't start the fire. Nero started See, little blaze, everyone's in hazy haze. Cassius is really mad because his cousin died. Luke goes to visit Paul. It takes place not in Panama. <laughs> Paul didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world started turning. Sorry. <clears throat> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so after 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 Paul tells him that love is the answer to hate, Luke does let go of his anger and he continues writing down Paul's story. And it's at this point in the movie when Paul tells the story about how he hunted down and butchered many Christians throughout Palestine until the day he rode for Damascus with his uh, Jewish cohorts. How, spoiler alert if you haven't read this in the Bible, on the road to Damascus, Paul was struck blind. And he was blinded by God. Fell down in the ground and got his head all blind. Sorry. Um... (laughs) Are you all right, Luke? (laughs) Barely. (laughs) So when Paul's on the road to Damascus, uh, he's blinded by God, and he heard a voice asking Saul, why are you persecuting me? And that voice, of course, belongs to Jesus. This event, along with Saul's meeting of Ananias, humbles Saul so deeply that he repents of his actions. And Ananias restores Saul's sight, and he baptizes him, and then... Paul just floats in the river for a little while after that. 
It looks real nice and relaxing. What? Why is it with some of these Christian movies that we've been watching, there's always this river scene or this water scene with people just doing weird stuff. You got no TV, no access to books, and a river. There's a lot you can do in a river. You're going to do some weird stuff in that river to pass the time. <laughs> so Saul changes his name to Paul. So Saul tells about, or Paul tells about how he went from Saul to Paul. Marty is hearing more about Paul's reputation as a preacher and a miracle worker. And he talks with Paul a little bit about how he's worried that his daughter is dying. Paul suggests that his friend Luke, who's a real good physician, uh, be allowed to come and examine her for help. But Marty's not going to let a Christian or a Greek into his home? Gross. And his wife's getting real mad at him, too, because... He's busy pouring blood over himself in front of an altar instead of finding actual help for their daughter. And Marty and his wife and Marty's wife is like, "Hey, how about you do something to help the girl?" And then Marty responds by grabbing her throat. I'm supposed to root for this guy, and he's grabbing his throat of the wife, the wife throat. Everybody did that back then because Paul suggested that Luke come and and, and look at at Marty's daughter. Marty's like, "I ain't having that." I'm going to imprison Luke now. And so now Luke and Paul are imprisoned together. And they're having just a buddy comedy of prison time. Like, hey, remember how, how Peter snored so bad? Yeah, I do. He <laughs> sawed wood when he slept. Hey, hey, Luke, mm. Paul says. Hey, 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 Luke. Uh, 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 you know how you sang? You sang like, like a girl. Sang like a girl, Luke. You sound like Timothy's mom when you sang. Oh, snap, Paul. You got me. And they're just having a great time in, in jail. This was a funny part, and I really liked it. It was. It was a good part. It was It was a little bit of a, a, a comic relief that was needed. But while they're in jail, Cassius, who you remember, was... Uh, 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 what, what was his name? Tarquin's cousin, the little boy that got murdered. And Cassius is like, hey, um, we're going to go and bust Paul and Luke out of prison. And so they get some swords, they run around, they start stabbing a few people, and they get to the prison hole where Paul is, is and Timothy are kept down inside of it. And they're like, hey, we're here to bust you out. And Paul's like, no. <laughs> they're like, why not? And they're like, <laughs> I mean, and then Paul's like, because no one told you to do this. What, what gives you the right what makes what, how did you get into your head that Christ would want you to go against the Roman government? Who do you think put the Roman government in power? And then Cassie's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Talk to you guys later." And he just leaves. And then Marty comes in after after the attempted prison break and he thinks people were gone. Then he finds Luke and Paul haven't left. And he's like, "Why aren't you guys leaving? Why are you guys here?" And Paul's like, "Cuz it wouldn't be right for us to run away." And then Marty is is real mad because Paul's a better person than him, apparently. And he's like, well, that's it, Luke. You're going to the circus. It's <laughs> like, great. I love, I, love, I love peanuts and elephants and clowns. This is going to be a great time. And then Marty's like, it's not that kind of circus. This is gladiator circus. And Luke's like, oh, man. Do you know how the lion felt after he ate the pretty gladiator? How's that? Pretty gladiator. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Oh, he 
Get All up, right. Zach. Come on. You know you want to. Zach had a little chuckle there. I saw it. Luke's in prison at the at Nero's Circus of Ari to go and be a, a gladiator, and he's surrounded by uh, a bunch of people, and uh, they're all like, hey, Luke, why are we here? Nobody told us uh, what's going on. They're all Christians gathered around Luke, and Luke says, um, there will be games tomorrow, to which everyone responds, no! And I'm ashamed of myself, but I laughed real hard at this scene, because... In my mind, uh, when Luke said there will be games tomorrow and they all said no, it reminded me of the night before every family gathering I've ever had. Where I'm just sitting there in my in my shut-off solitude life that I lead, that I love. And someone's like, you've got to come to this family function. Come on, it'll be fun. They'll be playing games. And in my mind, I go, No! So I related to those people. I know how they felt. <laughs> to comfort these circus-going Christians, Paul is like, hey, it's only going to hurt for a little bit. And then, you know, paradise. It's going to be cool. And then he leads them all into reciting the Lord's Prayer. And then uh, at the last minute, uh, Marty is... Well, he basically... Uh, uh, he, he basically has nowhere else to turn. His daughter is close to dying. And so he's like, Hey, go get Luke uh, out of the circus. And so I, I feel bad situationally for this. Cause I'm imagining, you know, Luke's down there uh, in, in the jail cells with all the other people waiting their fate to be thrown to the lions and Nero's circus for their entertainment. And, and Luke's like, we're in this together, guys. We're going to, we're going to go out there. <laughs> Solidarity. We're going to stand firm and stand strong for God. Uh, Luke? Yeah, right here. Come on, you're, you're free. And then he just walks away. <laughs> and all those people are just like... <laughs> Best of luck, guys. I'll be thinking about you. <laughs> I thought about that, too. <laughs> so, so Luke does go to Marty's house. And uh, he helps save his daughter by first... Just stabbing this little kid with a knife right in the uh, right in the ribs, getting rid of some of that blood. She's, she's got blood pulling up in her chest. Done. Which I gotta say is pretty. Uh, 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 Luke is really gutsy because he's brought into Marty's house, and the first thing he does is like, "Hey, give me your knife. I need to, I need to poke your daughter with it." And then he does. I mean, I I don't know yeah. what else to say but, about and, that, but that's that's and bravery. Let me tell you. It, it really hurts when the doctor does that, too. Uh, Scott, you need a new doctor. <laughs> if you have a I mean, doctor he's... just walking up to you and stabbing you in the ribs with a steak well, knife. It was, it was <laughs> after several appointments. <laughs> uh, you need to go. Or Then Luke tells Marty, hey, you need to go to this address. I wrote down this piece of paper. It's Aquila and Priscilla's house. They're poor Christians that you're persecuting. But clearly, you being a Roman officer have no access to medical uh, ingredients. But go ahead and take from these needy Christians. Uh, they're right here. <laughs> it don't make no sense. Well, Not he had right to get there. them quick. And he I knew know. that they were all there. You're telling me that this dude has like an intimate relationship with the doctor that showed up to his house 47 times? Marty does. <laughs> and he couldn't have just called the doctor and be like, hey, I need uh, 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 three files of... Uh, Toad wart and some witch's cough, and uh, hey, and really, he couldn't do that because he would have been a uh, 
he would have been a light lamp that night dealing with the dirty Jews. That didn't make any He's not Jewish. He's Greek. And that doesn't make any sense. The point is, listen, Luke put his friends in danger for a plot point. Yep. <laughs> because Marty needed to know where the Christians were to make what happens next happen. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. Wonder if his daughter was even sick. Yeah, she's faking it. I bet. I bet she that was. I bet that was an actress with makeup on. <laughs> Could have been. All right. So, so Marty goes to Aquila and Priscilla's, and they just, you know, give him the stuff. No questions asked. It's all good. And then uh, uh, Marty comes back, and magically, this little girl is healthy again. She stands up, even though she was just stabbed with a knife deep enough to drain her ca- chest cavity of blood. She's hugged by her mom. No wincing. No pain. It, it's it's wonderful. Hey, you think about all the pressure she had come off her chest cavity. I'm not surprised by that. She probably feels a ton better, even with the chest with the chest wound. I bet she's ready to go to Nero's circus. It's kind of ironic that that's our show's theme song, isn't it? I know. Um, it is. <laughs> anyway, all together. And while... Okay, shut up. And while Luke is healing this little girl... <laughs> What? A you. I'm going to punch you. And while Luke is healing this little girl, at the same time, uh, the imprisoned Christians that Luke was just with were thrown into the circus. We know this because he tells Paul about how he could hear everyone cheering. And what a bleak, bleak show this is. Uh, with his daughter finally healthy again, Marty spares Luke's life. And then thanks the Apostle Paul for continuing to show him compassion and kindness. And although Marty is sorry for the deaths of the Christians in the arena, Paul responds by saying that Marty still has a chance to learn from their example. Still has a chance to come to know Jesus Christ and God's undying love. And he gives this example that I really, really, really like. He's like, he goes, imagine you're sailing in a boat and you dip your hand in the water and pull it up and all of a sudden the water starts rushing out of your fingers and you can't hold on to it as, as hard as you try. Well, that's your life. That's what man tries to hold on to here on this earth. What Jesus offers Christians is the entire ocean, just an eternity. And I'm like, that's good. They should have written mm-hmm. that down in Acts somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or he could have written it one of his epistles even. I mean, come on, hey, Paul. Don't save your best for these always, movies that come out 2,000 always, years. <laughs> always teaching. You got to love it. Always looking for an opportunity to get to the unbeliever. And then uh, Marty looks at him and goes, do you think I can really become a Christian? And Paul goes, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. Oh. <laughs> Luke is allowed to visit Paul one more time, and they again share the theme of this movie, a hope that the world would come to Jesus and know Christians by their love. And they embrace, and Paul tells Luke that he is sure they're going to meet again. Meanwhile, Aquila and Priscilla have decided that it was best for them to leave Rome with their community, which I didn't like, but okay. Uh, did you guys like that? I didn't like that ending of the Christians leaving Rome. 
I didn't mind the decision. I actually didn't like the build-up to the decision and the the dynamics between Aquila and Priscilla. You didn't like that? <laughs> like, I, I thought that, that they played a really good couple. Like, I liked the, the give and take a little bit. I, I mean, I, I, I didn't mind that, but I, I guess, like, they're supposed to be, like, the faithful Christian couple, right? And so they have their, their discussion. They have differing opinions. That's fine. Uh, but then, like, they have their public meeting, and Priscilla is, like, the main opponent against Aquila's position, which, mm-hmm. okay, I could live with that. But then they're, like, there's that point in the movie where they're, like, well, we're just going to separate. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna stay here in Rome with the Christians, and you're going to leave with the some of the Christians. And like, we're just going to, this is the end of us. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, what is that? I mean, This is the, the end of us coming this fall to NBC. I, <laughs> I don't know a lot about, you know, if these people, if these people ever read anything Jesus and Paul wrote on marriage, like that wouldn't have been their conclusion. Yeah, I, I yeah. agree with that. But I think for what these two characters represented, you had the two staples of Christianity, which they are in the Bible too, Aquila and Priscilla. These two strong staples in the, the world of Christianity at that time. And I, I kind of liked the way that they were portrayed on different sides of the spectrum. I don't like the relationship breaking up, obviously. But like Paul says, you know, every time I tried to go right, Christ pushed me left. Every time I tried to go left, then he shoved me back to right. Like, this is a decision that you are going to have to come to. You have to decide here what is best for Christianity, whether to stay in Rome or leave Rome. And it's kind of interesting that the two staples of Christianity, besides Paul and Luke, Aquila and Priscilla, take opposite sides of the spectrum to kind of give balance to, you know, both of these decisions are both right and wrong. It's really just a choice that they need to make. Yeah, I agree. I think it really would have been like a legitimate conversation that that people would add back then. Uh, but as Aquila and Priscilla <laughs> are leaving... Uh, Luke, who's going to stay in Rome to be with Paul for his beheading, hands them 2 Timothy. Hands them uh, a letter to Timothy uh, for them to give to, to Timothy, which again, doesn't make a lot of sense because at the end of 2 Timothy, Paul goes, I hope that you're able to come and see me in Rome. I mean, I'm going to be beheaded in three days, but... Uh, Go ahead, try to get over here. See if you can hop a flight. <laughs> Aquila and Priscilla have Second Timothy, and then they uh, head on down to Mexico. And they also have uh, uh, wrote Acts and, and copied Acts over a hundred times, they said. So that way the book will be spread to uh, Christians, and non-Christians can be inspired by Paul's story. It must have been written pretty fast. Seriously. There's a lot of literate people in that Christian community. I don't know. That's probably why there's so many discrepancies between uh, between <laughs> Man- manuscripts. They had, they had somebody, they had like a four-year-old that knows the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> Tarquin's over here. Tar- Tarquin, even though he's dead, he still has a pencil in his hand. <laughs> Copy this down. Paul is escorted outside of the prison to be executed. Uh, Marty and him have a nice long talk, shaking his hand, being like, hey, I'm sorry about this. Paul's like, oh, don't worry. Don't lose your head about it. It'll be fine. And then they both chuckled at Paul's pun. And Uh uh, 
Marty responds, well, that's one way to get ahead in life. Oh, they have a laugh. And uh, Paul then rests his head on the world's worst chopping block because it leaves no room between his neck and shoulders. They curl him up into like a C. And so <laughs> when that swings down, either they're chopping half his head in, his head in half or they're just going to go straight down into his torso. Either way, it's a bad day for Paul. It's a it's yeah. That's kind of worried about that, that too. One. It just wasn't a good executioner block. I mean, you got to the whole point of the block was to create some separation between the body and the head. But uh Paul is is killed. It was a um as they said, a successful execution. And Paul wakes up in paradise where he's greeted by all the Christians that were in the circus uh, a couple of days before. No, those weren't the people in the circus. Those were the, um, that was like Steven and that girl that he oh, killed when he was younger. Oh, Those are the people that haunted his dreams. Oh, that's cute. That's cute. I like that. You didn't, you didn't get that? No, I thought they were all the circus people. I thought that was like the little no. girl that Luke was talking to. Uh-uh. No, that was the girl that he killed when he was younger. Man, I should have paid more attention to this movie. But yeah. This was a, okay. this is a good ending. I like this ending. Yeah. Then you see Jesus walking in the background, and, and it's just that was a good ending. It was pretty much the best ending you could hope for. I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't. Uh, they didn't try to overdo Paradise, you know. It wasn't like they were in clouds and whatever. And and it was just a, a nice, peaceful, bright blue sky, grassy trail that they were all meeting on, and it was just kind of it was it was a peaceful moment. And the movie ends by telling us that Paul walked around for 30 years and walked 10,000 miles to uh, spread the gospel uh, around the Mediterranean. And that's the end. Here at the Rotten or Righteous podcast, we put every film through what we call the Seps scale or the Stinky Snake scale. If you want to know why, look up Seps in any Greek dictionary and you'll see. So let's begin here with scriptural accuracy. Uh, I rarely go first, so I'll, I'll just kick it off. Um, I don't have a problem with scriptural accuracy. It, it was kind of funny that some of the stuff that uh, Paul tells Luke to write down isn't in any of Luke's writings. Um, baptism was clear. I mean, maybe not mm-hmm. clear as the purpose of baptism, but it was clear that it was done. Um... I, I, they didn't do anything flagrantly wrong. I will give it. I'll give it a twenty on scriptural accuracy. Lukey pooky pudding pie. What? Uh, we're we're doing this thing we do at the end of every podcast for the past forty <laughs> weeks, where we review the movies. Um, how are you I'm with? Wait- uh, <laughs> I'm waiting to be it's called on. on. It's based on a sep scale. <laughs> Luke, how did you feel this movie handled scriptural accuracy? Oh, um, I also gave it a 20. I thought it was pretty solid. Um, the only thing that was wonky was like all those quotes from the scriptures. And he's like, write that one down. That was a good one. And he actually already wrote it down. So, uh, yeah, that was my only issue, I think. Let me think. Uh, yeah, I can't think of anything else that I was just like, that's wrong. 20. I- Scott, what do you think about scriptural accuracy? I also gave it a 20, but overall it was very, very scripturally accurate. It uh, 
That's all. That's it. That's all I got to say. Next, we have entertainment value. Um, were you entertained by the movie? Uh, to this, oh, I gave it a ten. It was. Oh, you're a really. Listen, I, I, I. This is why it is broken down this way. This movie, like the first time I watched it, bored me to death. It is very slow. There is very few exciting scenes that happen. And they I, set I know how, on fire. I know how the story I know how the story ends. So it wasn't like, you know, I, I just didn't find it that entertaining. Sorry. Ten. You're a sinner. Call yep. on me so I can give you my opinion. Luke. Yes. How would you rate this thing <laughs> entertainment wise? I give it a 22. I was very entertained. And I like to see that their interpretation of uh, how things were. And I thought they did a good job at adding a bunch of details that weren't in the biblical text to fill the story in, but they weren't in any way like a violation of the text. Or they, they didn't just ignore certain parts of the text. I would have uh, had to dock it for that. But uh, I thought it was good and uh, filled in a picture of you know, the later years of Paul for me that I hadn't fully formed in my mind. Mm-hmm. Scott. It was excellent. I was ravishly entertained. Please, please don't cuss on this podcast. Scott, <laughs> what, what did you think about entertainment? I loved it. I gave it a 23. I thought it yes. was very entertaining. I enjoyed it from beginning to end. Uh, enjoyed the actors. And uh, it's just, I... I've I've seen it two or three times now, and I'll probably watch it again sometime. You know what? That's true. I did forget to mention that uh, a few weeks ago. I talked about the fact that unless Jim Caviezel is speaking a dead language, he can't act. This was one of the movies that that uh, made me say that. The man touches his face from the start of the movie to the end of the movie. His hand <laughs> does not leave his face the entire movie. He is either rubbing it, twiddling his beard. Just poking his forehead for some reason. He does not stop touching his face, and it drove me nuts. And I was watching for him to, like, overact or really botch it, because I remembered you saying that from last week. And I got to be honest, I thought he was good. I just It's just a stale delivery. I don't think he's a great actor, but I digress. All right, parental control. Is there anything in this movie that you wouldn't want your grandma to see? Um, Yeah, there is a lot of disgusting-looking burnt bodies lying in the streets. Uh, you see a man, uh, you don't see him, but you do hear a man being burnt alive. Uh, there's some sword play, but that's very minimal. It's basically just a pretend stab and somebody falling over. But the, the you see a man be stoned and blood dripping off his face. There's a lot of idol worship. I gave this, uh, I'm going to give this a, an 11. It was. It, it had some stuff I wouldn't want my son to see. Until he's a little bit older. Luke, as yes. far as parental control is concerned, what be thy rating? Well, now that you've 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 called on me, uh, I would give it a twenty. Also, and I always struggle with this category because when I think of parental ratings, I think of like sinful things that you don't want your kid watching. Or like violence for just this for for meaningless violence, right? So in my this movie definitely did have some violence, and then I mean the kid Tar Tarquin or whatever his name is, 
he's he's all beat up and then there's the guy burning alive and then um yeah there's a there's a bunch of stuff but um i i guess i view that as like this this is like historical violence things that people actually did and not necessarily something that's inappropriate so uh yeah i I gave it a 20 i did dock five points just for the the graphicness of it scott what's your rating (laughs) Well, you know, I gave it a 20 also. All right. And finally, we have uh, Should You Watch It. In other words, what uh, did you, is there any merit found in this, this movie? And for this, I gave it a 23 because um, there's not a lot of depictions of, I mean, especially in modern times, whenever uh, a Christian mentions persecution, uh, the media will laugh at them saying, oh, Christians aren't persecuted anymore or... Uh, you never had to suffer persecution. Well, yeah, in ancient Rome, I mean, there are still bodies entombed in the Colosseum of Christian victims of of the Roman games. And um, there's that talking point. And also, uh, the idea, it really does show the idea of love conquering everything. And it also broaches the topic of when you have a corrupt government we as Christians still don't have a right to plot and overthrow it because God still put them in charge. And so all of these talking points are brought up and brought up in a meaningful way that you can have a, a solid discussion once this movie's over. Luke, when it comes to should you watch it, how do you think <laughs> this movie rates? I believe I gave this a 25. So uh, um, there's not another face-based movie that I like more than this one other than maybe the passion you know the passion does have some things in it that i are kind of odd i also i also gave it a 25 um for should you watch it i love the teaching aspect of the whole thing i enjoyed the characters once again um i enjoyed luke the apostle paul i even enjoyed your uh your french guy marty so that means that uh i gave it a c 66 luke gave it a 87 which was an a and Scott gave it an 88, which is an A, which averages out to an 80, which means that Paul, the Apostle of Christ, scored an A-, minus, which I think is, is pretty fair. And, of course, we use Carleton University's grading scale here at the Rotten Righteous Podcast. Go Ravens! Woohoo! Before we go, remember you can find the Rotten Righteous Podcast on SoundCloud. You can also find it on iHeartRadio and Spotify and Google Podcasts, and of course, Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, for the for the love that I have for my unborn child, which is not even conceived yet, please give us five stars. It takes two seconds. Even if you don't listen to the show, just give us five stars. It's not going to hurt you. But that's going to do it for us today. Did I tell you guys I actually won an award last week? No, you didn't. Yeah, I want an award for being the best scarecrow. You know what I said in my acceptance speech? They're like, how'd you do it? And I'm like, hey, it's in my jeans. (laughs) (laughs) Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Remember, say your prayers and obey your mamas and dads and papas. (laughs) Papas.
I'm impressed. We have a Garth Brooks fan here. Luke, do you know any Garth Brooks songs? I've been a Garth Brooks fan since I was a baby. My first song oh. I ever sang uh, out loud was Thunder Rolls. Wow. Really? The long version, too. <laughs> uh, that missing lyric. If I don't hear that missing lyric in the song, I don't like it. I That's... want her running down the hallway and reaching for the pistol she kept in the dresser drawer. And I want her to tell the lady in the mirror that he won't do this again. Because tonight will be the last time that she'll wonder where he's been. And the thunder rolls, bow, bow, bow. And the thunder rolls, bow, 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 bow. That was the murder right there. That bow, bow, bow. And the thunder <laughs> rolls. Sorry. Thank you. 